Sample of Kenneth by Keith A. Pearson. One. Questions posed in song titles. What is love? Is this love? Where is the love? The Pet Shop Boys have suggested love is the goalless constructed. I never really understood what that meant by that. What they meant by that. Perhaps I'm not supposed to. The fact that so many magicians continue to wrestle the complexities of love guess we no longer we are no closer to understanding it five months ago a brown envelope dropped into my doormat it contained a letter from the county court more specifically a degree nicely at that point i began to, to pose my own questions about love how much does a marriage need can two people love each other in different ways can any marriage survive without love I must have thought I loved Nathan at some point, but eleven years after we exchanged vows, I couldn't recall. I certainly appreciated him. At the time, I definitely felt gratitude, but love, I don't know. Two months after the first brown envelope arrived, the county court sent another. It became one Ardoreen absolute. It stung more than I expected. Media, when talking about breakup of a celebrity couple, always say the marriage failed. Marriages don't fail, people fail. When a marriage just ends because neither party has a motivation to keep it alive, there's a proper failure, and with failure comes regret. I should have tried harder, com- compromised more. It all goes back to love, though. Maybe we have loved one another, but th- it was the wrong flavour of love. More vanilla than passion fruit. This introspection is giving, doing me no good. I should really get up. Sunday mornings are far oh, for long, lazy lines, but it's really too warm in my airless bedroom. It's not even nine o'clock. I peel the sheet from my sticky skin and stare out at the ceiling. Even with the window open, I've just spent an overnight boiling in my own sweat. Still half asleep, I get up and plod to the bathroom, where I'm voted in full consciousness at the sight of a jaded woman looking back at me from the mirror. Clumps of hair, plus plastered on a clammy forehead, on a good look and an expression says it as much. I brush my teeth while sitting on the loo. After 39 years of existence, I'm beginning to appreciate the simple joys of taking the weight off my feet for a few minutes. Another simple joy is spelling a botic, shuddering trump, without having to worry about anyone hearing it. It's not ladylike, but like a tree falling in the forest. If there's no one around to hear it, still pondering quantum fairy, I hop in the shower and turn the thermostat down to the coolest, coolest setting. Ten blissful minutes pass and I emerge invigorated and non-sticky. Coffee beckons. The kitchen is almost as stifling as the bedroom. So after putting the kettle on, I open the window and the back, and the back door. The visitor is waiting for me. Good morning, Frank. Frank looks up over me hours with rubbing himself against my shins. I don't know who owns a ginger tom. I'm certain his name isn't Frank, but he first showed at my door the day I moved in. It took several hours to establish Frank wasn't going anywhere for a bribe, half a tin of tuna. I checked with a dozen of other homeowners in the street, and then I knew who Frank belongs to. He invites himself to the kitchen and sits on my feet as I search for a can of tuna in the cover. Did you have a good night? He does not reply. Frank Anders didn't see fit to have him cross-traded, which leads me to believe he spends his nights whoring himself as far and wide. He's certainly handsome enough as a look of mischief in his eyes. Have you, ha- have, 
Have you been out breaking hearts? His yawn is almost an, an answer. Once I thought his breakfast in a bowl, Frank does what Frank always does, and jumps up in the kitchen table in appreciation. We both preach this habit, and perhaps that's why we're bonded. Enjoy. I make coffee my own, my guess. Tucks into breakfast. He makes light work of it, and follows me out to the garden. One main reason that I fell in love with his house is a warm garden. It's not particularly big, but there's no grass to mow, and a six-foot-high wall. Finds that no, sir, he says of privacy. I sit down in the bedstow table and sip coffee. Frank leaps up on another chair and commences his post-breakfast at Bootations. The coffee is good and a slight breeze divine, but I'm not as content as I should be. Perhaps it's a sudden rush of caffeine, but I really feel restless, fidgety. What am I going to do with the... With the day, Frank, uh, Frank, I feel in Frank responds by, by cutting up on a chair and closing the eyes. I appreciate the input. His inherent problem of being a 39-old divorcee. All my friends are married. Long-term relationships. They're free time consumed with, with partners, kids or family. I have no friends, no kids, no close family. There's those a chubby decision will always argue the benefits of blank canvas. To them, it's an opportunity to create a new... That hindrance to the old. One, it's one perspective. I guess there are plenty of artists who find blank canvases fairly depressing, particularly if filling the canvas is necessary to pay the bills. I'm in the camp of about my blank canvas has left a gaping hole in my social life, rather than my finances. My phone rings. I scoot in the kitchen and grab it from the table. I need a groan. I got the callers. Spot the caller's name. Hi, Anna. I choked through gritted teeth. Hannah my, and her brood moved into my former actual home in Castell Gardens. I ruled the day. I gave my my, my, uh, my number and suggested she call if there were any problems. Oh, Kelly, good God, you're up. Good. Thank God, you're up. I'm so sorry to trouble you on a Sunday morning. It's Kelly, what's the problem? It's a lagging in the loft. Lagging? Yes, I've been up. Half a night worrying about uh, why. I can't well say, recall seeing the paper one. Do you know what when it was told and if it, it met fire regulations? Uh, I'm, no, no, I don't. Good God, she grasps. We should, could be living in a tinderbox. Hannah, the house is barely 15 years old. I'm pretty sh- fairly sure fire regulations haven't changed much in those 15 years. You're probably worrying about nothing. As even you to say, Kelly. You don't have children by now. Think about... Thank you for reminding me. What am I going to do, she whined, ignorant to her offence. I don't know. Call the fire brigade. Oh, yes, I hadn't thought of that. Do you think they'll come out on a Sunday? I was kidding, but it was, gets her off the phone. Considering the severity of the situation, I call. I'm sure they will. I call them now. Great. Good luck. Thank you. And then, just to, so you know... I suppose all day, so I won't be able to answer my phone. We're bidding goodbye, she ends the call. I never liked Hannah, her pretentious children, arrogant arsehole of her husband. As a matter of fact, I particularly don't like her this morning for reminding me about the bloody house and fulfilled memorial aspirations. Nathan and I moved to Kensal House a few 
gardens a few weeks after we married. My husband had a good job in investment management with an income to match. Our new home testament to his success with bedrooms are plenty, a kitchen the size of a squash court, a large pot assessed fire of a gated driveway. It was a safe, secure home in which to raise our children. There were no children. That's why I'm living here in Ender Terrace House, chatting to a cat. Our lack of offspring certainly wasn't due to lack of drawing. Initially, we had sex twice a day, every day. But after three months, I felt like an unpaid prostitute, and they felt like a badly maintained sex robot. I concluded that married sex was like... It was a bit like chocolate cake. The closest slice is lovely. Imagine eating a slice the minute you wake up in the morning. Or when you'd rather be sumped over a store for drinking wine and binging on a box set. He agreed to limit our efforts to three times a week and hope we maintain our semblance of romance, but damage was already done. We were sick of chocolate cake. So to make matters worse, our unenthusiastic humping only resulted in a dozen negative pregnancy tests. Something wasn't right. We bought an appointment at a facility fertility clinic, and I just I can still remember every detail of the journey. There, Nathan kept offering reassurance. He would love me no matter what any tests reveal. Implication clear. In his defence, I felt like I was no problem. I was a problem too. I drew it so much trauma. I felt broken in some way. A week later, a sympathetic doctor confirmed my husband's infertility. Nathan demanded a second opinion, but the never test only confirmed the diagnosis. Over the following weeks, we discussed our options, which we limited to sperm donation or adoption. For six, for six long, six long months, Nathan did all we could to avoid a decision. Eventually, he admitted he could only come to terms with our childless existence. I didn't come as much as surprise, as I knew there was no way that my perfectionist husband would accept a child that wasn't the genuine fruit of his loins. I would have left him at that point. Nathan was all I had. I'd never been career-oriented, but left with a gaping void in my life to fill. I threw myself into work. Until that point, I employed as a medmin assistant for a personal finance company. I started a medicine finance shortly after leaving cottage. A decade later, I remained, remained looted, rooted to the same position. I didn't care about promotion or the tedious nature of the work, because I knew it It'd be over once I met Mr. Wright and settled down to start family. Floor planned as it transpired. Over the ensuing months, I put everything I had into my job. It turned up late, early, stayed late, and applied for every position the company advertised to demonstrate how much I wanted to progress. My persistence eventually paid off. A moment of me, another promotion soon followed, and then another. I took my head. Long hours and extra responsibility took my mind away from the house, which never which would never be a home. I couldn't stand being there. The empty bedrooms and manicured garden. Constant minder. Neither would see the happy chaos of children. Nathan and I continued on the same trajectory for nine long years, both embracing our perspective clears, or neglecting our marriage. We saw less and less of one another. Then decided separate rooms made bedrooms made more sense so we could both get a decent night's sleep. When one of us were late, we observed cake for birthdays and anniversaries, but in the end, we both lost our appetites. No couple would survive such existence, and two brand envelopes later, we had become divorcistic. 
I am now completely given up on having children, but I'm realist. Yes, women are leaving it late in life, but even if Cupid did come calling in the next 12 months, it's like, it's unlikely he'd bring man in his 40s who wants to start a family. Realistically, I'm playing the lottery, lottery on a timer. I gather back, I wander back to the garden, and Frank is now fast asleep. Oi, sleephead, don't be antisocial. He doesn't stir. Shit, I can't even talk to a cat now. Nothing else better to do. I, I rescue a dog-eared paperback from beside my bed. Read for a couple of hours. Stopping only to grab, stopping only to grab a, a couple of bagels for breakfast. Frank eventually wakes up, stretches and probably pisses off. About to consider walking into town. My phone rings again, expecting it to be Hannah. I'm in two lines whether or not to, whether or not to answer. I'm so bored I'd rather listen to the whining than the voice in my head. It's not Hannah. I put the screen. Hey Martha. Just put it in just put it in the sink, she yells. Pardon? Bugger. Sorry, chick chick. I'm multitasking with twin eight year old girls. My fresh friends spends in a quarter amount of time multitasking. Well, you ought to, she asked, her focus back on the conversation. Nothing really. Great. I'll be over an hour. I need wine and adult conversation. On a Sunday, the girls are driving me insane. I need to get out of the house before I kill one or both of them. To evaluate your point, one of the girls shrieks in the background. I put some therapy or juice in the fridge. I take it you're not driving. Stuart is taking the girls off to the cinema, so I'll get him to drop me off on the way. You don't fancy it? You want to see the latest Spider-Man movie? Honestly, given birth to £10 porcupine was less painful. You have sex with a lot of porcupines. You're so cute, she chuckles. What's a girl to do? Weirdo, I'll see you soon. Shortly, shortly. I hang up, but my thing grin lingers. Martha and I met during our first weeks at Shaw House Girls School. I was tiny for my age and an obvious target for bullies. One lunch break, a girl from that year above me decided I should be relieved of my lunch memory, money. At that point, a tall girl with permanent hair, blonde hair came to my rescue. I threatened to stab the girl in a tick with a sharp end of a plastic shot set square. The bully fled and Martha then admitted she almost pissed her knickers in fear but couldn't stand up by and do nothing. I knew in that moment we'd both be friends for life, and so it was proven. It appears she's going to rescue me again. To save me from abject boredom. 2. 17 minutes after my phone call, the door by terms. I dashed down the hallway and opened the door to an explosion of colour, wild blonde hair. is Martha Miller. I greeted with an enthusiastic hug. Lovely to see you, chick, she purrs. Now what's, where's the wine? Martha follows me through to the kitchen, where I extract a bottle from the fridge. I fill two pre-prepared glasses and hand one to my friend. Christ, I need it. What a morning. Martha then relieves a glass of half its contents. That's bad, huh? For the moment they wake up this morning, the girls have been a nightmare. I want that I put them in adoption and you see your speed doll. You don't mean that. Oh, I do. At eight, half eight this morning, they ask if I cook. They could cook with ten breakfast in the kitchen with a plato. Ten minutes later, the smoke alarm goes and a rush in the kitchen. They're flying 
Play-Doh sausages on the hob. I tried to stuff or laugh. It took me half an hour to clean my best pan. And smell, you have no idea. But you still love them, huh? Most of the time, anyway. I came over to so I could forget. I'm a mother for a few hours. I thought this is a company ties to you here. Not gonna lie, I was mainly the prospect of wine and child-free zone. I guess as much. Shall we sit in the kitchen? 